0: is that a good type of impatience to have well i will because the lord's been so generous i want to share it all with you tonight so let's pray lord god we just come before you in jesus name father god we just thank you lord for your enduring and everlasting patience toward us and for us lord and we just pray that this evening lord that we will just take in all that you want to share with us tonight father about your patience about how we benefit lord and how we can pay that patience forward lord toward others in our lives father god we love you lord and we thank you and we just ask these things in jesus name amen well it's been a fun week two things you don't do. You don't pray for patience and you don't teach on patience (laughs) because the Lord will show you many, many things. But it just, as I was kind of Thinking about things this week, there's so many things in our world that basically are geared toward our impatience. When you think about it, think about some of the things I, I did. Was I was kind of going through my weekly routine this week. I started thinking about things in our world, in our culture, that kind of appeal to our impatient nature. We have fast food restaurants. You yeah. know, that's that's appealing to our impatience. We have self service checkout lines or machines so that we don't even have to bother waiting for a cashier to check us out at a store. This is my favorite and it will always be at, I don't care, the Disneyland Fast Pass. Can I get an amen? Amen. We have ATMs so we don't have to stand in line and wait for a teller to help us with our banking. We have microwave ovens that uh, fast forward and speed up our cook time. Who would live without high-speed Internet service in our homes, especially if you have teenagers or young adults, because you need that fast download and streaming time. Nobody's got time to wait. Uh, we've got 4G wireless mobile phone networks, because heaven forbid that it takes too long for our Starbucks app to load, right? Can't have that. We've got to work fast. Uh, we have the people that tend to honk at us at the green light if we sit there a little bit too long. Or are you one of those people? Ah, <laughs> uh, oh, sorry, hand. Okay. We have things that contribute to road rage. People's impatience while they cut you off or they tailgate you because, you know, they're in a hurry and you're in their way and, you know, that just results in a whole bunch of ugly stuff. These are the ones I really love. These are the people that repeatedly punch the elevator button or the walk button at the intersection. Like hitting it multiple times is really going to make a difference and it doesn't, it makes no difference. And then, of course, there's some negative stuff. We have people that cheat on tests because they want to take a shortcut as opposed to actually studying and really learning what they need to learn. I found some interesting statistics. Microsoft Corporation did a study to find out that people have now a shorter attention span than a goldfish. That's what they found out in their study. The study said that humans generally lose their concentration after eight seconds compared to a goldfish that has an attention span of nine seconds. We have really degenerated here, ladies. It's not good. And then Fifth Third Bank commissioned a uh, national survey to find out how insanely impatient our world has become. It revealed a surprising disconnect between how patient we think we are versus how impatient we actually are. They found in the study that nearly 80% of the respondents rated themselves as being patient. But the reality was grossly different. What they found was 96% of Americans will knowingly consume extremely hot food or drink that burns their mouth because they can't wait for it to cool down. They find that more than half of us hang up the phone after being on hold one minute or less. Anybody like that? 71% of us frequently exceed the speed limit to get to our destinations faster. No, nah, we don't do that. We're Christians. We got the little fish on our cars, right? You know, we don't do that. That Americans will binge watch an average of seven TV episodes in a single sitting. I'm not going to even look at people right now because I know some of them. And then nearly a third of the 18 to 24 year olds wait less than one second before bypassing a slow walker. So that means they're running over the senior citizens, literally just running us over. <laughs> and then the Gen Wires, and those are the next generation after the Gen Xers, and they were their children born to baby boomers sometime between the 1980s and the early 90s. Anyway, they will check their phones an average of eight times when waiting to hear back from somebody they've dated. Do you have children, teenagers? Is that true? We're very impatient people, but patience is one of the most wonderful attributes of God from which we benefit tremendously. The most incredible benefit, of course, is the gift of salvation as he patiently waits for us to accept him as Lord and Savior. However, what's not so wonderful is how we view the virtue of patience when it comes to our own lives. For instance, has anyone ever told you not to pray for patience? I know I I used to hear that a lot when I first came to the Lord. Because if you pray for patience, God will just give you the trials of Job in order to teach you patience. So people always backed away from that. Uh, Or do you, when you pray for patience, does the Lord give you instead a rebellious child? or a demanding boss, or a frustrating husband instead of patience. These were all things that were an answer to your prayer for patience so you could have the opportunity to practice it as part of his training for us. We need to be careful not to be like the exasperated wife who told her husband during an argument, I'll pray for patience because if I pray for strength, I'll throw you out the window. <laughs> <laughs> Not a very godly attitude, clearly. But fortunately, God doesn't have to practice patience the way that we do. God is the divine personification of patience. His patience is the combination and the climax of his divine attributes directed toward us to benefit us. Just think about it. God is eternal, and we've learned about his eternal nature through this study. So what really is time to him when you talk about patience or impatience, you're talking about somebody who's having a hard time waiting or has mastered the art of waiting. But he created time. He controls time. He doesn't need to wait for something to happen or for it to end. He already knows the end from the beginning. That means the Lord's patience is a determined exercise of his will, not out of necessity. He is purposely patient because he loves us. So tonight I want us to look at three aspects of God's patience. First, I want to look at the origin of God's patience. Where did it start? Then I want to look at the object of God's patience. Who is it directed toward? And then I want to look at our side of it. How are we redeeming the time in light of God's patience? So let's get started, and we're actually going to go by beginning to the beginning before and ask the question, when did God's patience start? What was the origin of his patience? If an eternal God has no beginning and no end, and he sees all and he knows all, if he is sovereign in power and with the ability to create as well as destroy, at what point did he decide to be patient?" On our human timeline, we're familiar with the Bible account of the first exercise of his patience, and that came about during his time, way back when, with Adam and Eve. Genesis 3:13 through 17 tells us that after God found they had eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he cursed the serpent who had tempted Adam and Eve. At that time, God told the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He, speaking of Jesus Christ, shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. In other words, God promised to correct Satan's corruption of the people and the paradise that he had so lovingly created. But the fulfillment of that promise would not happen for millennia to come, for about 4,000 years before that would actually happen in the coming of Jesus Christ. And that was following the total destruction of the earth by flood and its renewal. It would be after thousands upon thousands of generations who were born and died. It would be after a history of the rise and fall of hundreds of empires with kings who did both good and evil in the sight of the Lord until finally the birth of a little baby boy born to a young virgin in an animal stall in Bethlehem. That's what God waited for. Commentator Dave Gusick said, for God to see the defeat of Satan at Satan's first flush of victory shows God knew what he was doing all along. God's plan wasn't set back when Adam and Eve sinned because God's plan was to bring forth something greater than man in the innocence of Eden. God wanted more than innocent man. His plan was to bring forth redeemed man. And here we are still, another 2000 years even since Christ's first coming and the plan is still to deliver man from damnation to salvation through the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus was intended to be our redeemer from the start by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God according to Acts 2:23. 2 Timothy 1.9 says he saved us and called us with a holy calling according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. And Ephesians 1.4 says just as he, the Father, chose us in him, the Son, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. And then he, Jesus, indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, 1 Peter 1.20. This was the first glimpse, ladies, at the origin of God's patience. Scripture tells us his patience began before man even even existed, so we know that his patience is timeless and eternal. Acts 15.18 tells us, known to God from eternity are all his works. There are no surprises. His plan has always and ultimately been to bring forth his son to take away the sin of the world according to the Father's perfect plan in agreement with his divine purpose and by the agency of his endless and enduring patience. God's patience is divine, eternal trait enabled by his natural, incommunicable attributes that we've studied, as well as his moral and communicable attributes that we've learned about. And if we think back on some of those attributes, ladies, those that we've explored so far, we can see how they allow God to be the most patient person in the universe. And if I could get my slide up, please, you'll see what that actually looks like. We look at those attributes that we study from God, and we see that he's omnipotent, his omnipotence, his omnipresence, his omniscience, his wisdom, his righteousness, his love, faithfulness, holiness, immutability, goodness, mercy, and justice. And this slide was animated. And what you'll find, if if the animation can, can start, is the sand keeps running, but it never runs out. God's patience never runs out. And it's all fueled by all of those other attributes that he has has demonstrated toward us and to us. God's eternal patience never ends and it never fails. However, the patience of God is an eternal trait that we can only really see in its temporal exercise in our lives. In other words. We don't have that clear sense of eternity when God is waiting or delaying. We don't see what He sees. He patiently allows us to freely walk in our own ways, according to Acts 14 15 through 17, all the while that He's still in control. Most of the time, we lose our patience waiting on God to change something going badly in our circumstances. It could be with our marriages, with our children. Our finances, our physical or our spiritual health could be failing. We're looking for God. But the thing is, God is rarely in a hurry. God's eternal perspective tests our temporal patience. We simply cannot outweigh God. How are you going to outweigh the God of the eternity? We can't. Wayne Stiles, I think, really nails it in his book, Waiting on God, what to do when God does nothing. And it's based on the life of Joseph. And you remember all the trials that Joseph went through. And he had to wait a long time through very, various trials and setbacks and circumstances. Even, anyway, Wayne Stiles says, we want God to change situations. God wants us to change in them. We want relief. God wants repentance. We want happiness. God wants holiness. We want pleasure. God wants piety. And at the end of the day, with the waiting game, guess who wins at the end? Who wins? Who wins? God. God wins. We can intellectually, ladies, process God's word. I mean, we can study and we can learn and we can dig until something goes sideways in our lives. And that's when our head and our heart get totally out of sync with each other. Our feelings hijack our faith because that's really what happens. We get all emo and we just, you know, go with what our hearts go, go with. And we become impatient with God and we veer off course during that process. We start to ask, where is God? Why isn't he answering my prayers? And one thing that I found during this study and just during my, my walk with the Lord and as I study more is the Bible doesn't tell us everything we want to know but it gives us everything we need to know. David even said in Psalm 1:19-82, my eyes fail from searching your word, saying, when will you comfort me? David knew the same things that we feel and that we experience. And in the end, if we really knew the big picture, the way God knows the big picture, we too would want what God wants for us. And in the exact way, and the timing that he wants it to occur. The origin of God's patience originates beyond time and space. He sees our circumstances from his eternal perspective. That eternal viewpoint makes all the difference in the world to him for us because the goal of his patience is our salvation, perfection, and eternity with him. So well, now that we've looked at where the origin of his patience come from, and we see very early on it's directed toward us, that brings us to the second point, which is the object of God's patience. You know, earlier I said that um, God is the divine personification of patience directed toward us to benefit us. So that means that we're the object. We are the what his patience is directed toward. So I looked up patience in the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, and it defines patience as bearing pains or trials, calmly or without complaint, manifesting forbearance under provocation or strain, not hasty or impetuous, steadfast despite opposition, difficulty, or adversity. Does that sound, sound like us? Sounds like us. Sounds like our lives. Pains, trials, provocations, strain, hasty, impetuous, opposition, difficulty, adversity. All these things sound like things that we experience, but I don't remember us studying any of these attributes of God. Was that on any of the lists that we studied this series, ladies? No. He doesn't experience pain, trials, and strains like we do. He's a holy and spiritual being. He has transcended the human weaknesses that we all ex- all experience. He's not provoked the same way we are because what happens when we get impatient? We get provoked. We're going to do something about it. Trudy shared in her study on the attribute of God's wrath that he is holy and perfect, slow to anger and merciful. His response to man's failures aren't emotional. His response comes from his perfect and holy justice and Righteousness. He will always do the right thing because he's not tainted by sin like we are. There's no need for God to be hasty because he's got all of eternity to fulfill the plans for his kingdom. So, you know, in a hurry, I don't think so. He never acts recklessly or out of haste. God's patience bears with the creature without taking vengeance immediately. And instead of getting payback, the Lord holds back his wrath on us. God possesses self-restraint, having all the power to instantly destroy, yet does not. Having all the reason to consume us, yet does not. Having all the knowledge to condemn us, yet does not. He patiently waits to justify us unto salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. The New Testament, as as you go through it, it uses three different words for patience, but they all pretty much mean the same thing. Steadfastness, constancy, endurance, patiently abiding, uh, regardless of the obstacles or difficulties, having long forbearance or fortitude, being slow to avenge or retaliate. The words long-suffering and forbearance are also used in the Old and New Testaments and also mean slow to anger, perseverance, slowness in avenging wrongs, a holding back, a delay of punishment. We generally don't take too kindly to God's delays in answering our prayers. When we pray asking him to meet our needs or fix our situation or touch the heart of someone in our lives, we seldom appreciate God's patience. And here, just, and we're not alone, so just so you can, you can feel the burn here, there are there a are few other impatient reactions from Old and New Testament saints to God's divine delays. David, I think if you read the Psalms, you'll find many of his pleadings with God. He said, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Psalm 13 1. And in Psalm forty seventeen, he says, but I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinks upon me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O oh my God. And then we have Martha. You remember Martha, Mary's sister, Lazarus' sister. So when Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. John 11, 6 and 21. Martha was also impatient with Jesus when she was serving and Martha and Mary was sitting. Martha had an anxious personality and impatient attitude. And then to the scattered and persecuted Jewish Christians waiting for Jesus to return, James, Jesus's brother, encouraged them in James 5, 7. He says, therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. The Lord actually ordains waiting periods for us, ladies. It's part of his process to refine us. But that can also be a time of discouragement and frustration if we allow it to be. Often during those times, we're waiting and sometimes we just abandon prayer altogether, feeling that God isn't hearing us anyway and thinking that prayer obviously doesn't work or worse, that God has some, is somehow displeased or angry with us. But patiently waiting to hear from God gives him the chance to reframe the desires of our hearts and to align them with his plan for us. This is the time that we must operate in faith, trusting God completely for the outcome, even when we can't see it. In our prayerfulness, the two most powerful warriors that we have are patience and time. Because that's what we do. We pray and we wait. We wait and we pray. God's vision is to fulfill his kingdom. He doesn't react to the passage of time like we do. He's acting to fulfill time from his eternal perspective. His concern is not our time, but his perfect timing for the glory of his kingdom for which we are a part. One preacher said that the prayer that begins with trustfulness and passes on into waiting will always end in thankfulness, triumph, and praise. The Lord's long-suffering is the opposite of anger, so he's not upset with us, and it's associated with his goodness and mercy to deliver us into his grace and into his kingdom. Romans uh, chapter 2, verse 4 and 3, verses 25, it says, Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering? not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness, because in his forbearance or his patience, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. God is patient because he wants to be, not because he has to be. And the beneficiaries of his patience are us. There's nothing in it for him. He could create a whole new, think about it, he, could, he created us and everything in our world. He could create a whole new human race just from the dust and the stones around him and they would be obedient to him and in holy perfection. He could do that. If I was God, I would have smote the world a long time ago. <laughs> Yet we are still the object of God's patience he's long suffering toward a world that mocks and blasphemes against him and we see now that more than ever because our society seems to embrace immorality that is so contrary to God's divine standards and it insults his holiness in ways i don't think we can even imagine according to romans 130 these are the true haters their practice of Paul's long list of sins in verses 26 through 32 identify an unbelieving world as haters of God and all that he stands for who knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death not only do the same but also approve of those who practice them. And don't we see that daily? The approval and the, and the, and the validation of all this immoral behavior. However, The Lord desires that not any should perish, but that all should come to repentance and that all men be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Out of the depths of his divine love, his divine patience endures. And this is the one that goes up at football stadiums every year. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. A friend of mine recently reminded me the other day, and in a really humorous way, that we're waiting for that last unbeliever to come to Christ so that we can all be raptured and receive our glorified bodies. And gave her a new fire for evangelism I had never seen in her before, okay? Because we need, we need to go out there and, 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 and preach the gospel so that last person can get saved. For believers, the Lord is patient to allow us to develop a maximum of godly traits and a minimum of carnal ones. And when I think about how we train our children who don't have any concept of time, especially the little ones, you try to talk to a little one. Well, Mommy, just give me a couple of minutes. We'll be there in an hour or we're going to leave in 10 minutes. What does a five-year-old know about 10 minutes or an hour? It's all the same to them, all the same to them. They don't have any concept of time. So what do we do to try to train them? We give them timeouts. You know, we send them to their room for a little bit of time. Okay, you just go and you just have a time. And sometimes if we think they can understand, and you just think about what you've done. (laughs) Don't we do that? God gives us timeouts too to go think about what we've done. Sometimes that's what his delays are all about. He wants to perfect us in godly love, grace, mercy, holiness, righteousness, wisdom, faithfulness, goodness, justice, and patience. And all these sound familiar, don't they? They're all part of those moral attributes that we find in God. Through God's sanctifying work in our lives, we can be confident that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus, Philippians 1.6 tells us. We can be encouraged knowing that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are the called according to his purpose, Romans 8.28. God the potter is patient with us the clay to see the beauty in us that we can't see in ourselves. Because we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them, Ephesians 2.10 tells us. So we really, when you think about it, we don't have any reason to be impatient for God to fulfill his promises to us. God is faithful and true, and he is not a man that he should lie. It only costs us time, when you think about it, to wait for God. It just costs us, you know, time but for God to be patient as he is with us. It cost him the life of his son. Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, raised from the dead to make you complete in every good work, to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight, through Christ Jesus, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Hebrews 12:2 and 13:20 20, and 21. It's to... Jesus' glory for the price that he paid for God's patience toward us. Will it be difficult? Yes. But the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after we have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle us, and who will also confirm us to the end that we may be blameless blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ, 1 Peter 5, 10, and 1 Corinthians 1, 8. The object of God's patience is us, man, his creation. God's patience toward us is a choice, not a need. God's patience toward us is to bring us to repentance and redeem us. And God's patience toward us is a part of the process he uses to refine us into the godly character until the day of Christ's return. Now, finally, it's important that we look at what are we supposed to do while we're waiting on God, exercise his patience, and we should be redeeming that time in light of God's patience. Now that we know God's patience never runs out and that it's directed toward us for our benefit and his glory, what are we supposed to do with that time? How do we spend that time? How do we redeem that time he's given us through his patience? Well, if we love God, and we say we do if we're Christians, we look to his word for his instructions to follow. Psalm 37, 7 says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Paul, who spoke to many, many people that he discipled and churches that he established during his time, he says, We are to serve while we wait. To the Thessalonians, he wrote in 1 Thessalonians 1, 9 through 10, he says, serve the living and true God and wait for his son from heaven. Serve and wait. James, in his message to his fellow Jewish believers that were anxious about the trials that they were facing during their exile, firmly but assuredly directed them to be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. Be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. We are to be establishing our hearts, growing in the faith, maturing in our spirituality toward God, so that we, when Jesus does come, when that wait is over, we would have come into the fullness of what we can do here on earth to emulate God and to be a reflection of him. Leonardo da Vinci you know, the Sistine Chapel and that. He said that patience serves as a protection against wrongs, as clothes do against cold. For if you put on more clothes as the cold increases, it will have no power to hurt you. So in like manner, you must grow in patience when you meet with great wrongs, and they will then be powerless to vex your mind. See, patience protects us, And so God commands us to be patient as a protection against all the wrongs he knew that we were going to suffer in a fallen world. We were going to suffer, you know, people being wrong against us. We were going to suffer the frailty of our own physical mortality. We were going to suffer hurts and pains and trials like Merriam-Webster defined. But he wanted us to be patient, so he commanded us to be patient for our protection. Patience is the virtue that does not surrender to circumstances or surrender under trial. It is the opposite of despair, and it's associated with hope. In 1 Thessalonians 1.3, Paul remembered the Thessalonians and their work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. See, we're continuing to strive toward serving, working, growing, maturing, This is what we do while we wait. Through our obedience to the command to be patient, we grow and learn. We learn that patience is trusting God's timing, that it's faith in God includes faith in God's timing, that patience means trusting God even when circumstances haven't changed yet, that patience is the settled reality that guess what, ladies, we are not in control. And honestly, we don't want to be, because this world is a mess. Here is the patience of the saints. Revelations fourteen twelve says, "Those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus." God knows His creation, and He knows of our inability to be patient. We do not have eternal, infinite patience like God does. We, but we only need a fraction of what he has and what he has been to us while we are waiting. All we have to do is think back on who we were before Jesus Christ became the Lord of our lives and was seated on the throne of our hearts. And as I was meditating and thinking about this study and God's patience, and I had to think about how patient he had been with me. I remember who I was while Jesus was waiting for me. And I was a lot of those things that when you read Romans, the first chapter, um, that Paul rattled off. I was filled with unrighteousness. I was sexually immoral. I was a drunkard. I was wicked. I was covetous. I was malicious. I was full of envy, strife, deceit, evil-minded, proud, disobedient to my parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, and unmerciful. I was a piece of work. But I used to say, it wasn't that bad. Nobody really got hurt after all. And I didn't get arrested in the process, though I probably should have. Just meant I wasn't caught. But in the eyes of God, I was a sinner hostile toward him. I was bad news. Yet he waited for me and waited and waited and waited. He waited until the timing was right and my heart was seeking him out. And all the time he was waiting. And I praise God for his patience. I think about how he must have grieved him to see me, his bride, in a muddy wedding dress. Covered in the muck and defilement of this world. But in the fullness of his perfect timing, he loved me and redeemed me. And made me white as snow, putting my sin as far as the east is from the west, buried in the sea of forgetfulness, never to be brought up again. So if the Lord commands me to be patient, what can I say? Nothing. In light of God's patience with me, I have to be obedient to redeeming the time he's so graciously given me to obey his commandment to be patient toward others. Luke 12:48 says, "For everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required. With the power of the Holy Spirit living in me, I can do all things." Galatians 5:22 reminds us that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness and faithfulness. As I grow in my love for, the, for God and demonstrate the love of God toward others, patience will be a natural manifestation. 1 Corinthians thirteen four says, love suffers long and is kind. <laughs> love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. A patient attitude and actions draw people to Christ. When motivated by God's love and powered by the Holy Spirit, we can be useful instruments in reaching the lost and advancing the kingdom but we first must be willing to die to self. With Jesus as our model, we can imitate him. And I just think about his patience that he demonstrated. Let's look at the disciples, for instance. Um, Not the brightest bulbs in the pack most of the time. And he patiently taught them and walked with them and showed them and demonstrated to them what it was to be loving and merciful and gracious and forgiving Peter, oh my gosh, how patient he was with Peter to the very end. Peter screwed up badly many, many times. But Jesus patiently continued to love him, to mature him, to grow him, to show him. That's the example we have in Christ. Paul, oh my gosh, a blasphemer of God. How patient Jesus was with him. You kick against surely it must be hard to kick against the goats, he asked Paul. He patiently brought Paul to a place of belief and love in Jesus Christ. Romans fifteen five says, Now may the God of patience and comfort comfort grant you to be like minded toward one another according to Christ Jesus. I was telling the ladies on my way in here, um this evening, or maybe just Roberta. Well, I don't remember who. But at any rate, going through the study was difficult. And I snapped at my husband several times because I was busy doing my study and he was interrupting me. <laughs> I had to go back and, and ask his forgiveness. I was very impatient with him and he patiently prayed with me before I left this evening. And He never stopped being kind toward me. And being gentle. And of course, I was a bad example. But God forgives, and he does too, praise God. We're to practice patience with sincerity, being sensitive to others as the Lord has been to us. Don't be like the person who says, it takes patience to listen, and it takes skill to pretend that you're listening. That's not a good attitude about being patient. That's in words only. Patience is more than just biding your time. Patience is also an attitude that's fueled by God's love for us and the lost. We may actually be the one God uses to bring that last person to Christ so we can be raptured, get our glorified bodies. What do you think, girls? Be patient. Next, uh, I have one more slide I want to show you guys. And I found this acrostic for patients that should help us remember what it means to be patient. P means prayer, perseverance, and poise. A means to be amiable with your attitude in check and able to bear affliction. T means tolerance. I means imperturbable, in order, injuring none. E means endurance and encouraging to others. N means not irritable and not anxious. C stands for composed, calm, and constant. And E stands for even-tempered with equanimity, which means self-control. These are both the attitudes and the actions of patience. Philippians 4.5 says, let your gentleness be known to all men. Wow, patience. It's a big deal a big deal for God. It's a big deal for us. So let's be encouraged and enabled to practice patience with everyone. Let's leave a legacy of love and patience with everyone that we come in contact with. The origin of God's patience comes from his divine and eternal attributes. The object of God's patience is man in order to bring us to repentance redeem us, and refine us until the day of Christ's return. And we're to practice patience through the power of the Holy Spirit, redeeming the time in light of God's patience toward us. And I'll just have this one last quote from Pastor Alan Redpath. He said that the conversion of a soul is the miracle of a moment, but the manufacture of a saint is the task of a lifetime. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just come before you in Jesus' name. Lord, we we can't thank you enough, Father, for your patience with us, Lord, your forbearance, your long-suffering, Lord, with all of our problems, our complaints, and our ills and disobedience, Lord. and Father, we thank you that you you held out for your son to come, Lord, and, and, and sacrifice his life for us, Lord, so that we could have your love and forgiveness, Lord, and to dwell with you in eternity, Father God. Help us to practice the patience that you've exhibited toward us, Lord. Help us to serve as we wait. Help us to extend your loving kindness and patience toward others, Father, as we walk in our lives every day. Father, help us to hold on to what you've given us and what you require of us. Father, thank you. We praise you. And we just ask you to continue to go be up before us with your patience. In Jesus' name, amen.